0: Just just for a few moments, just for a couple of moments, Look if you can turn to uh, 2 Kings for a moment or two, that would be good. Uh, I'm going to look at a passage, not in any great detail and for too long, and uh, maybe come and pray together and respond in a moment or two, but it's the 2nd second, the second Book of Kings, or the 2nd uh, Book of Kings, chapter 5, and um, for some of us this will be a very well-known story, and others... Others of us not so well known, but it's a story of a a man called Naaman, and how he is cured of leprosy. Naaman was a Syrian general, so just going to take a a look at this for a moment or two. And uh, there's a couple of points I just want to just share. Um, So in Two Kings chapter five and um, verse verse one, it reads: "Now Naaman." was commander of the army of the king of Aram, that's the area of Syria. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier but he had leprosy. Now, Bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet um, who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl had, uh, from Israel had said. And by all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Which is, that was a lot. That would, have been, that would have been a lot of money. That would have been a lot of money, let me tell you. Um, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? So how, see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had tore his robes, he sent him his, this message, Why have you torn your robes? Make the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to him, to say to him rather, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, uh, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Verse 11. But Naaman went away angry. And said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servant went up to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young man boy his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy I mean so in that in that account we see a story of a man called Naaman who is a a courageous commander he's the the, in charge of a mighty army the armies of Aram or Syria the north Israel and Syria always having a tussle and fighting and, and the Syrian army was being huge and so this Guy Naaman was a great man. He would have been a, he's seen there as a courageous commander. He says he was highly regarded, esteemed and well rewarded. He was well connected and well rewarded. This commander was highly regarded. He would have been treated, other than the king, almost godlike. The king would have been treated like a god in in Syria, and Naaman would have been treated pretty similar. So this guy Naaman was a powerful, courageous, um, well-connected, prestigious, wealthy, a a very, very powerful man. Uh, But it says that, but, just one little word, but there was a sting. There was a a, a sting in the tail, as it were, of his life. But it says in verse 2, he had Leprosy. He had everything to live for, you could say, by the the things of this world, by the power, the prestige and everything else. But it says he had leprosy. And in the East at that time, you probably have heard and you may know, but leprosy was the kiss of death. To be told that you had leprosy, to be found out you have leprosy, would have meant you become unclean. You were sent away. Nobody could go near you. You could go near no one. Didn't matter how much money you had. Nobody would get near you. No one would ever touch you. Nobody would want to be seen with you. Not even within—I don't know how far it was, but it—it definitely wouldn't. We would not allow to have been in the room together. If I was standing on the stage and you were standing at the door, that would not have been enough. You'd have to be further away than that even. So it would, to have leprosy meant that your limbs could, could fingers could drop off, that it would eat away at your bones, this disease ate away at your muscles and your, your skin and the very bone. And um, it was a terrible, terrible disease to have pronounced and to have over your life. So just for a couple of minutes, there are three things that I want to look at. There are three things that, in this passage, it's not the only things, but there are just. I, I tend to think in threes, and so the three things that I want to look at: three things that can hinder God helping you, three things that could hinder your healing, three things that could stop or hinder God having you having a sense of the help of God in your life. And this is what I want to look at, just from this passage, just for a moment or two: three things that hinder healing. Or God helping or God intervening in your life and my life and anyone's life. Number one that we we can see in the story. It says in verse 11 that, um, But Naaman went away angry. And a bit further on, it says there, um, a bit further on in verse 12. So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman became offended. He became upset because the prophet didn't do what he thought he would do, um, and so his his, his his heart, his mind, um, he, he, he became offended. Um, in the in in the um, proverbs, it says, of- "Offense is like a snare." When we become offended. Um, it's, it's a dangerous thing to allow ourselves to become so offended by anything in life. It, with Naaman, it, it was that the, the prophet didn't turn up at the door and wave, to, uh, didn't come out to greet him rather, and actually come to him. He, so he, he became upset, and, and this upset became an offence. Um, it's interesting, um, that degree of upset, whether it can be anything in life, it could be you could be upset with your boss at work, or you could be upset with your pastor or your vicar, or you could be upset with your husband or your wife, or your next door neighbour, but offence, it, it's, it, it's, it's more than just upset, it's like we create a fence. A fence, an invisible barrier of upset, um, revenge, or um, unforgiveness, or hurt, because this is Hurt me, and so what can happen is we, we put up a fence. It's interesting that the word says we are offended, and this deed or this circumstance could become an offense. And it's as if an invisible fence of hurt or unforgiveness. It's easy, I, I you know, I can get offended by stuff, we all can, and it's not wrong to get upset and offended at times. But if, if we allow it to stay, and with Naaman. It it caused him to get in such a rage, it says that he went away. He walked away. And um, the invisible fence of upset or anger or um, unforgiveness or hurt. And, you know, someone can hurt you and it might not be your fault, but it, it can become like a fence. And what it does, it can take us away from what God's best might be for our lives at that moment. Uh, we'll come to this in a minute, but offence, the proverb says, is like a snare. It captures us. And um, it's so easy. It's easy for me, and it's easy for you. It's easy for us at any walk of life to get to that place. Being upset is it's just not wrong. It's going to happen. But allowing our upsets um, to get to a place where it becomes like an, an offence, uh, you'll know if you're offended, because the barriers come up. You know when they say, "Oh, the barriers have gone up there," or the hackles have come up there, or you feel it rising, and it's that circumstance. And it says that he went away in a rage. And uh, at first, it was the first hindrance to his healing. It was a barrier to God's help. Uh, second thing, second. So, offense is a snare. Second thing I would say is the second thing I would say is pride is a snare. Pride is a snare. It says that this... What? So what he says here, um, a bit further down in verse um, 11, Naaman went away angry. I thought, he says, listen to this, I thought the prophet would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure my leprosy. He didn't even come to the door. He sent his servant to let him know. And um, he... He was a powerful man. He was a man where his servant girl said, My father. His, were, you were treated godlike. When, when we speak there, when she said, oh, My father, it was the servant would have treated the master in such a way. It wasn't on a pedestal, he was on a throne. And um, this man was um, used to being treated with dignity and power. And um, there's, there are times in our lives when we can think, I should have that, this should be done for me, or that, this isn't right, or, or I, I, I should get this, or, and there, there can be a danger at times when our, the me, my, and I in me can get in the way. It's easy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I know if, with me, um, although I'm not powerful, nor a commander, or courageous, or prestigious, or anything like that, I know in me, there are times in my life where I can think, I'm not having that. How dare they speak to me like that i 'm a pastor in the local church i've you know I, I, and, and, and there 's a little bit in me that rises up at times and its and to be honest, you know at the end of the day there might be a little bit of truth in that, but it 's my pride i 've been stung, and Naaman had been stung, his pride had been stung, and um, God looks for a humble and contrite heart. Jesus um, when he speaks in the Beatitudes, speaks of meekness and the blessings of The meek being humble. There's the inheritance of the whole earth. It's amazing. Humility. Not considering that I'm owed anything. It's mine. I should have. Are my rights. Jesus didn't take that view at all. And yet he was raised up to the very highest place. Humility isn't weakness. Meekness isn't weakness. It's natural strength. And it raises us up in God's heart and eyes and in the kingdom. It's amazing. But if we don't watch it, the second thing I'd say is this. Our the me, my, and I in me can rise up, and it become an invisible barrier, and that's the second thing. So, offence fence can be a snare, pride can be a snare. Finally, finally, the third, third, third thing, the third thing that we can see is this: we, I need to be careful, and Naaman had to be careful that he didn't allow his preferences, his tradition, um, to cause him to um, presume a way of things should be done. A bit of a mouthful, but forgive me there for a minute. I'll explain what I mean. But when we read this story, we see that Naaman gets angry. His, he gets offended and his pride is stung. But it's because he had certain preferences. He presumed some things about God. He presumed a way of things to be done. He, When he was praying and thinking of his healing, he presumed, he, he was angry because he, he preferred a certain way. He, and these preferences led him to, to presume some things about the way in God was going to heal him, the way that this prophet was going to come and speak to him. And uh, it's a danger, you know. I can fall into certain presumptions. I can presume it. That, that this, and so what we see, if you look at, in verse 11, it says, Elijah, the man of God... Um, in verse 11, Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought, Dave Ayling, Pastor Dave was speaking about having a mind, a, a thought, a renewed mind. A brilliant message. Andrew mentioned this this morning. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, listen to Pastor Dave Ayling's message from last Sunday evening about having a renewed mind. Fantastic um, in, in breaking through to the best that God has for us. Um, but he says, I thought, this is interesting, he said that what we presume, The way in which we're made up. I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot. But instead he sent his servant and said, go and dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. That that didn't figure for Naaman. He presumed that he thought, he said, he's going to come out to me because he's a big man. He's the man of courage. So the man of courage, needs you need to come up to, to, to address him and see him and stand before him and say, oh, great man, Naaman. This is what Naaman thought would happen. And then he would wave his hand over the spot. Very theatrical, very big. He's a big, courageous man. And so he would be healed instantly. But rather, his servant comes out and says, you go and dip yourself seven times in a filthy river. The River Jordan was a filth Compared to the rivers in Syria, they were beautiful, clear rivers... And um, now this is interesting. You see, preferences, our tradition, my tradition, religion, it can cause me to presume. Do you know that can happen to anyone? It can happen to Pentecostals. Can happen to charismatics. Can happen to evangelicals. Can happen to Anglicans. Happen to Methodists. Happen to Baptists. Happen to anyone of, of no, but our, our, our tradition, our, our religion, our preferences. They cause us to presume and make our own minds up. And when we do that, we plan it our way. To cut a long story short, we make our own minds up. And that sort of sense, and it's easy because I've got my own traditions, I've got my own likes and things I dislike. It's 2,000 years of Christianity, there's history, there's you know, and so the danger is now you could say to them, I would never do that, we would never do that in our church, we would never do that in the church that I come from, but we do and we can, and sometimes that's why we don't see. And then people say, Why have we not had a revival? Why have we not? Why have we not seen this? Sometimes I might say, could could it be that our preferences cause us to presume that God will do things a certain way in a certain time, in a certain approach that I expect. And yet, he says something that's so different, that's so different. Why is that? Because God's ways are not our ways. Fathoming his mind is something of, of his grace and revelation that he gives to us. Um, Paul said um, to the Corinthians, we see yet through a glass dimly and then face to face. He says we know in part, we prophesy in part. How about this? The wonderful, beautiful gift of prophetic release which, which gives us an, 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 a sense of the knowingness, the now of God, which is an amazing gift which we, God gives us a moment of the now of God. At the end of the day, it's still only In part, And so there can be a danger at times that we can stray, and that's how I stray. I don't know about you. And so what he does, he gets angry and turns back in rage. Those three things were hindering him from being healed. They were hindering him from knowing the help of God. And so what does he do? The servant says, if you would have been told to do these amazing things, you would have done them. This is something really simple just do it. I mean, she didn't say it quite like that. She said it in a much more respectful way, but you you just do it. And so the key here is to hear with humility and simply obey. It's not rocket science. It's the age-old story. To simply hear and obey. Simple, straightforward, humble obedience seems to simple, Straight, I say straightforward, it's not straightforward because of all those hindrances that I've just mentioned that I fall into the trap of. I fall into them, we all do. But simple, straightforward, humble obedience seems to see the hand, the helping hand, the healing hand of God in your life, my life. And it did for Naaman because as soon as he obeyed what seemed to him, something that shouldn't be, dipped seven times in a bit of a dirty river compared to these rivers in your country, it says he got amazingly healed. You know, God, be encouraged tonight. Um, I tell myself this again and again. God can make something out of nothing. In, the, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, collected together, it says, when the earth was formless and void, God spoke. There was nothing. There was, I mean, I, I, I can't fathom this. This is the miracle and the wonder of God, where there is nothing. God can make something. I don't know, just tell yourself that just for a minute. Because I don't know about you, there are some things that make me very fearful at times in my life. And to know that this is the amazing Father, the creator of the universe, and he can make something of nothing. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, we read that God can do more than we can ask or even imagine says God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine and then he says this according to his power that is at work within you there is a power at work within us it's the power of the living Jesus Christ the power of God the power and presence of God he can do more than we can ask or imagine because he can make something out of nothing. That's how simple obedience seems to know the heart and hand of God in our lives. I don't know, are you facing something you just don't know what to do? Some of the pictures tonight, you know, having rope burns on your hands because you can just about hold on. But we have a God who can make something out of nothing. If it's darkness right now, he can switch the lights on, just like that. Tommy Cooper used to say, just like that. But God doesn't do it just like that. He can do it just like that. He can turn the lights on out of nothing. It's incredible. He can do more than we can ask or imagine. I can imagine a lot. I could imagine so much in my life. He does much more and beyond because he is an awesome, wonder-working God. And so that's how simply hearing and simple obedience seems to see. And Naaman was incredibly healed when he simply heard, turned round, and obeyed. It says there, and you read, and with this we'll close. And if the, if the, if the musicians could come back uh, at this next moment, because we're going to sing together and then maybe respond. That'd be great, while, while I just sort of sum up in these next few couple of minutes. Um, we see at the end there, it says that Naaman, when he dipped on the seventh time, as he came up out of the water on the seventh time, it says his skin was healed completely as a young boy. His skin had the, had, the, had the look. So with the leprosy, he, he would have been a, a, ma- a mature man. I'm not going to say how, maybe how old he is, I don't know. But he, was, he wasn't just a young, a young man. He would have been quite a mature man. And it says his skin wasn't just healed. It's interesting there. It says his skin had the appearance had the, of a young boy. His skin was like that of a young boy. Better than, I tell you what, better than any anti-aging or wrinkle cream. You know these these wonder cure creams that that that, that 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 they're out there that says it will cure your wrinkles and it would will... tell you what it's a sense of irony. It's a sense of the humour of God. I mean it's not a humorous story, it's a sad story, but it ends up amazingly well. But the sense of irony, I think, is that he dipped seven times in a filthy river and he came out with perfectly youthful skin. It's pretty incredible. It's the irony and the humor of God, seven times in a filthy river, and he comes out with wrinkle-free, baby-like skin. We could do a trip, yeah. It'd be great, wouldn't it? And it's amazing. And that is the wonder. So when God does something in our lives, he does it beyond expectation. In fact, he, 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 he could have just restored his skin to his mature, but, but in perfect health. But it's even younger and better. It's incredible. That's, the, that's in the Old Testament. Now as we come into the New Testament, in the age of grace with Jesus Christ and his great mercy, uh, we don't have to work hard at that. But the power that it says in Ephesians 3.20, at work in us, he can do so much more. Isn't that amazing? Let's stand together as we continue. We're going to sing and we're just going to respond as we just put out our hearts to him. And um, we've been encouraged to do that tonight, haven't we? Heavenly Father, just, you know, see our hearts and lives. We just open up our lives to you. And, you know, here tonight, there are different aspects of our lives that the cares of the day, uh, you know, amongst us praying this morning, we were praying for different members of our church, and uh, it doesn't take much to even think here tonight there'll be certain things that some of us are facing. And It might not be a physical healing, it might be relationship, might be something to do with work and, and, and the future. There's so many things in our hearts and lives. And, We thank you that you can do more than we can ask or even imagine. All you require is that we hear, we humbly come before you with an open heart, hear and obey. Lord Jesus, we thank you for mercy. We thank you for your incredible love and grace. And we reach out to you right now, placing our hands in your hands, saying that we need you. Would you touch my life, our lives, the people that we love people that are not here right now, family members, husbands, wives, children, relationships, physical healing, memories, whatever right now, we just reach out to you. Touch our hearts and lives, we pray. In your mighty name we ask. Amen.